From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And good morning and welcome to GRN Alive. But this beautiful cloudy Friday morning where I am, it's the penultimate uh, show. Inside joke there, I'll explain in just a moment. Uh, the penultimate GRN Alive. That means the second to last ever. Toya Hall and I always like to joke about that uh, during our charathons for reasons which I will explain in a moment. Good morning. Happy you're with us. We have got a... Uh, a crowded uh, studio here with us this morning. Cecil Anderson on the other side of the glass, along with uh, Dr. Chris Malloy from the University of Dallas, and Alex Trevino, Diane Xavier running our social media platforms, a special guest who I'll introduce in just a moment, and we're glad you're with us. The phone number to be on the program today is 877-757-9424. Today is the Friday of the second week of Advent. This Sunday is Gaudete Sunday. And uh, tomorrow is the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe, and uh, later on in the show, we're going to be joined by uh, a wonderful woman by the name of Ingrid Meyer, and she is an expert on Our Lady Guadalupe, has a great devotion to her, and also talks about the tilma and the the relevance of the message, uh, the 1531 visit, uh, to how it re- relates to our life today in 2020. And also, big news uh, with the Pope earlier this week, uh, issuing a Year of St. Joseph. And I got on the phone and I called uh, a buddy who I have not talked to in a long time named Mark Drogan, who uh, just is has got an amazing devotion to St. Joseph. And I learned a lot from him, and so I asked him to come in. And he's here, and he's in studio with us. So we're glad uh, that uh, Mark is going to be with us talking about uh, St. Joseph and the apostolic letter from Pope Francis and what this all means and uh, good morning to everybody. How you doing? Dr. Malloy, you look uh, more casual. School's over? All the grading's done? Yeah, no bow tie today. <laughs> yeah, gosh, I bet. I saw the Facebook, uh, you know, viewership was just dropping off. They're like, no bow tie, I'm out of here. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So that's a, that's a relief, isn't it? Get all the grading done? The, the lack of bow tie? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I, I handed in the last one at like 11 o'clock Monday morning. Yeah. And then I got to my book, which I'm pretty excited about. I'll talk to you about next week. Yeah. Yeah, next week's going to be the last show. Penultimate, of course, That's means so second sad. to last. Yeah. I know, but change is in the air, and a lot of things are going on in the GRN. You heard about the, the Kathy Drive Time show, and uh, 3 o'clock hour now is a holy hour where we have the Divine Mercy Chaplet, uh, a reflection, and then also uh, Mass is uh, is uh, played uh, during the 3 o'clock Central Time Hour, 4 o'clock Eastern Time every day. And that's pretty cool as well. Alex, uh, wiping the tears from your eyes, uh, the penultimate show, I, I know. Yes, uh, <laughs> but like I told you in, in the break room, I feel like it's sort of graduating from middle school to high school. I don't feel like I'm leaving quite yet. Sorry, are you comparing this show to middle yeah. school? No, no. Oh. Well, I mean, no. Oh, high school and college are not in the same place most of the time. They've been doing this show for a really long time. We never graduated, Dave. This guy like this guy comes in, he's oh, on the man. show for like four months, been and he compares yeah. us to middle school. <laughs> uh, what are you wearing on your hat? Well, I'm wearing it backwards. Uh, I don't want to. Um, it's a Seattle hockey team. Oh, when I went to Seattle, it. yeah, so that's why I'm wearing it backwards. But you don't want to see me with my hair right now. I need to get a haircut. Great so. spiritual significance, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. All right, very good. And of course, Diane Xavier, uh, she's the silent one. She's behind the scenes doing 
uh, a lot of work and technical difficulties getting up on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. But They're you censoring know, us. Yeah, that's right. They, they just do not want this talk about yeah. uh, Patrick's Cord. <laughs> yeah. So a lot, a lot to talk about, and we're glad that you're with us. Before we get into some news stories that Cecil's going to uh, lead us in, I want to, first of all, thank everybody for your support and participation in our share last week. Seems like it was longer than a week ago, but uh, actually wrapped up uh, this this day a week ago, last Friday. And you just, you know, 2020 is so weird, and you just never know what's going to happen. And we go into these share this year, and they, they've been good, and you guys have supported us. So we had some uh, some really weird hours. I think about Wednesday, that 5 o'clock hour, where mm-hmm. Toy and I were on, and just nobody calls <laughs> for like 55 minutes, and then we're just, you know, it's like you want to lose hope, and then all of a sudden... A five thousand dollar donation comes in, then a three thousand, then a twenty four hundred, and we're like, "Wow, we not only hit this goal, we hit the last one." And God is God takes care of His children, as Toya says. But it was it was it was a good uh, uh, it was a good charathon. So, so thanks so very much. Good. Very good. Yeah, Any big moments uh, come to your mind? Oh Cicel? my goodness, I just love whenever I'm able to answer the phones um, and I get to hear some amazing stories. There's so many people who are without a job or really struggling, but they're like, "I wanted to donate something." It is so encouraging to hear. Uh, you hear some amazing stories. I remember from a couple sharathons back hearing from a woman who was homeless living in her car and she made a donation and there's people like that every sharathon that are in a really tough situation but they're like no this gives me so much joy and so much hope and so much encouragement this catholic radio station so they still donate yeah i only i only answered the phone twice during the sharathon and both times it was the same person we we (laughs) have this uh we have this like legendary what we call a short person a person that calls in at the end of an hour and says hey well whatever you're short i'll 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 make that up and this person since the person is anonymous i won't even give away the gender but this person is legendary because uh uh he or she is anonymous but the two times i answered it was at the end of the hour and it was this <laughs> that person. person that's awesome wow. that, that person that anonymous person you've got but, a jedi uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing i want to mention before we get into the news uh is that today at two o'clock central three o'clock eastern we're going to have a, a social media debut of a new program that i'm really excited about that i'm hosting and sis going to be my uh my co-host and it's called, test subject <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's called back to the father and it's all based on the teachings of saint thomas aquinas and the summa theologian uh, for the last six or seven years, I have taught high school students an online class, the entire Summa. And not only do I love it, but I have found that the, the students, and sometimes these are 13, 14-year-old kids, Dang. and they, they dig it. They really do. They get a lot out of it, and they, uh, they enjoy it. And I, I try my best to make it fun and interesting and relatable. And, and I, the Summa in St. Thomas Aquinas, of course, he's the common doctor. He's the doctor of the doctors, patron of all Catholic school education. Uh, he, we, we need to learn Thomas Aquinas. And so we're going to try to make it fun, relatable, and something that can apply to your life. So it's only going to be social media platforms today. 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. It's the dress rehearsal. Uh, so it won't be on the radio, but it'll be on social media. So tune in if you can, okay? Nice. All right. You guys, you, you three guys, tune in, all right? I want to have <laughs> at least three people watching. <laughs> so, all right. With the bow tie. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Not that we can see it, but yes, with the bow tie. Yeah. So, all right. Let's do a couple stories in the news, and then we're going to get into St. Joseph with uh, Mark Drogan here in studio with us. So what's going on, Cecil? 
Oh, absolutely nothing. But uh, <laughs> but also, <laughs> can't, can't reuse that joke. <laughs> no, Come I on. know. Hey, it's almost last show. I got to do something. All right, so um, let's talk about the lawsuit that Texas has filed. Yeah. Um, our Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton uh, filed against the states of Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia uh, this last week. Um, I am in no way good with law stuff, so bear with me as I try to explain this. But basically, um, he, along with now 17 other states, so there are 18 states involved now, are um, filing this against these states that were the kind of the uh, battleground states, let's say, where there's a lot of contention on whether or not um, things were done right. A lot of, uh, mainly what they're focusing on is that um, voting law was changed this year before the election and that may have affected the outcome of the election Mm -hmm. and so they're asking for um, that to be reviewed and to see if those changes to how the voting process happened were legitimate to happen this year so um, that's kind of all in the works right now exactly what the next steps are I think they're looking for responses I think next week the 14th or something like that they have to have some responses on this it's weird because yeah there was so much build up to November 6th the election how's the 6th wasn't it November 3rd yeah and and then since then, it's kind of like we're in this uh, limbo, this, yes. this uh, no, no man's yes. land. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was like the 2000 yeah. election. Yeah. 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 But even then, it was zeroed in on one state. state yeah. And you right. got the hanging chads, and it was all Florida. And it yeah. seemed a little bit more like, okay, we could probably get a handle of this. There didn't seem to be as much division. I don't think, you know, obviously when Bush was declared the winner, we didn't have craziness and riots. And uh, But I think there's that impending kind of like, what what's going to happen if this mm. gets overturned? Right. Or, you know, which, not overturned because it hasn't been declared, right? What's interesting is it seems to fall into camps like, you know, those who are supporting Biden say, why are you in- investigating through it? You know, putting things into question, those who are supporting Trump are, but it seems to me, wouldn't everyone want, a, you know, an yeah. election to be, there's so many irregularities, right, ostensible. Right. Yeah. Mm. Shouldn't yeah. they just and get they all straight? go one way. That's what's yes. weird. Yeah. The, uh, all the irregularities just go to one side. Look, if <laughs> it were, if it, if this, if these irregularities were on, in favor of Trump, I think the those who are supporting Biden would would say, "Wait a minute, we got to investigate," mm-hmm. and you really should. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. just the integrity of the integrity of election. Yeah, exactly. Everything about uh, exactly. the media, the the treatment of this. Uh, I did a search this morning in researching. You know, Cecil <laughs> did the heavy lifting as far as the research, but I did a, just a, a cursory search of you know the Texas lawsuit uh, mm-hmm. election, and the, all ten that Google showed me were like New York Times, Wall Street Journal, CNN. I mean, all of them were like you know frivolous lawsuits. Yeah, they're like slamming. Nothing positive. It was it all slanted the in the direction stuff. of like this is this is ridiculous. Not, not, not a not, not a single argument the opposite way. Right. Well, not. I mean, I didn't search that. The first ten or so were all opposed, and this is crazy. This is. So I'm read, I read the Epoch Times, and they yeah. they will. Um, it's a really short newspaper, but they will give the opposite point of view in an extended argument. Yeah. Not yeah. just a little blurb. Yeah. And uh, blurb. <laughs> 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 but that's journalism. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, and then there's a whole other topic is this thing about secession. Everybody talks about secession. Some people have said Canada needs to take uh, the West Coast and New York, and then and then the rest of it they say it's called Jesus Land. <laughs> so, so, do we that, start a new country called Jesus Land? <laughs> I like that. Canada like that. has Chinese troops training in it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's wow. it's, it's some weird what, stuff going on. There's yeah, a, there's a new word I heard. Text uh, it. Collects it. Collexit. C A L. The bunch Exit. of them. California, Oregon, and Washington. Oh. Is 
collects it. Perfect. I've also heard Texas. Yeah, yeah, like Texas is going to get out. And it's serious conversation. <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah. know what, how that happens. Of didn't course, didn't what, some legislator yeah, submit something in yesterday? Texas, yeah, yeah. Texas. I mean, that, that gets kicked around a lot, but I think this year it might be a little bit more serious. But yeah, that would be a big deal. That's what the Civil War was fought over, really. I mean, it yes. was even more so than slavery. I mean, that, that really? I mean, wouldn't you say? Most immediately, the secession, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't think that's uh, any immediate threat, but uh, we'll see. Anything else going on, Cecil? Uh, yeah, there's a <laughs> lightweight conversation. Yeah, yeah let's go right. even lighter weight. What yeah. do you all think about that the pandemic is um, a direct you know, retaliation from Mother Nature? This is a pretty popular thing going on right now, uh, Prince including Harry. Prince Harry. Yeah. Pachamama is, is mad. <laughs> <laughs> so D- Dave and I had this discussion this morning. We're like, wait, is Prince Harry still a prince? Didn't he like give that up? Or is he apparently he still can be called yeah. prince? I don't know. It's very confusing. The artist I, formerly known as Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I, just like, I just like that he kind of stepped away from public eye, but then he's making all these comments yeah. that are being spread around Purple the world. Rain. <laughs> Stop that. Keep going. Yeah. No, keep going. <laughs> I'm sorry. I completely forgot. What was I saying? Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, no, he's asking. He says, uh, this is a quote he said. He said, somebody said to me at the beginning of the pandemic, it's almost as though Mother Nature has sent us to our rooms for bad behavior to really take a moment to think about what we've done. Now, this is very generic and loosey-goosey about what is is we done, but I think it's the idea that we've been um, attacking the earth, the how uh, the climate, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and they're not taking good care of the earth. So, um, thoughts. Is Mother Nature attacking us? And who is Mother Nature. Yeah, <laughs> who, is, who is I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I would I would see more the argument. You know, Patch Mama happened in October, November, and immediately boom. a pandemic hits. Boom. Yeah. I mean, abortion <laughs> yeah. access gets bigger and bigger from pandemic China. Hits. By the way, it's I see more of a relation with that than you know. Oh, yeah. I didn't take the recycling out. <laughs> we're gonna be in a pandemic for a year. Right, <laughs> right. But uh, they they kind of. Is, is is Mother Nature just a name that they use for God? Because they kind of say it's it's the Earth, right? Uh, right. Mother Nature is kind of the Earth God, or uh, you know, yeah. Pachamama would represent goddess. That's gotta what I'm saying. The, gotta get the gender. Yeah. Pachamama's mad. I guess she got thrown in the Tiber. That's why. <laughs> that's why she's coming oh, back. Man. Oh, man. Well, we know who to blame now. So it's, they're not repenting. It's not like we're repenting of Pachamama. We're repenting of throwing it, her into in the, the Tiber. In the tiber. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting because as Catholics, we've kind of been discussing, you know, oh, is this sort of something God kind of getting us kind of to wake up and, you know, remember why we're here on earth, who God saved us, you know, those sort of things. But it's kind of like this, the same idea, but in a very different manner. <laughs> it's yeah, interesting. Tr- they are trying to s- steer the religious discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's uh, interesting. So. Ah, pray for uh, an end to all this, and uh, it's been an interesting year, and we're wrapping it up. So anyways, uh, thanks, Sissel. Great, great stories there. And uh, if you want to join us, in fact, as we bring in, uh, well, Mark, you know, chimed in one time already, but uh, Mark Drogan uh, is uh, a, a fellow student of Dr. Malloy, and uh, you and I took a class together at the University of it. Dallas. Uh, Alex is a graduate of University of Dallas, so kind of re- rename this show the University of Dallas Show. <laughs> 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 and uh, he is here because he's got a great devotion to Saint uh, to, to uh, Saint Joseph, and in fact, yesterday he brought a big box full of the uh, Father Donald Calloway book called "Consecration to Saint Joseph: The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father." And uh, we're going to give four of those away during the show today. Two in the after show and two in the show. In fact, as we introduce Mark, if you want one of those, uh, give me a call right now. First person to call in, talk to Sissel. We're going to give you this as we begin our conversation about St. Joseph, uh, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Mark Drogan, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning. 
All right. So where did this, uh, you are, um, I, I always struggle when I say this. You were Jewish. You, you were brought up Jewish. You're, you are Jewish, a Jewish Catholic. How, how do you define, how do you exactly explain that? I am a Jewish Catholic. Okay. Um, and uh, it's very simple. I had a mentor, a, a redemptorist priest who was my mentor. And he said it's very, he was Jewish. And he, uh, preached around the Midwest uh, for decades uh, in the 19th, 20th century. Um, but he just said, I am a Jewish Catholic priest. Yeah. And he said, I found the fullness of Judaism in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And interesting, because St. Joseph was Jewish, right, of yes. course. Uh, yes. And so, talk about this, because I remember, uh, I don't even know how it came about. You and I were students together uh, at UD, and uh, somehow we got into conversation with St. Joseph, and you just lit up, and you started. And I'll never forget, because I've told so many people, you say, you know, when you see these picture, these images of Our Lady and Jesus, that's great, but you always say, well, Put Joseph in there. We want the whole family, the holy family. Of course, the, the images of Mary and Jesus are beautiful, but uh, where, where the, where, what was the origin of this great devotion that you have to St. Joseph? Well, the gospel, and, and just, uh, I, I, I guess it's a grace, it's a gift, um, a desire to know Jesus better, to know, be closer to Jesus and have a, a deeper personal relationship with Jesus and so I read the catechism, I was baptized, I was confirmed by the bishop, and I started going to Mass and praying and looking at the liturgy. But I wanted to, a deeper relationship with Jesus, and so I think that's um, what is offered for everyone when you want to deepen your relationship with Jesus, you want to get to know him more personally, and that means to know his family, mm-hmm. to know more about him and know his mother and his human father. And that's one of the important things um, that has to be brought out in Pope Francis's new letter, is that he states, without any discussion, without any debate, that Joseph is Jesus's father. Mm-hmm. And that's magisterial teaching. Yeah. Adopted. Well, he's Jesus' father. If we quote, uh, we can quote popes, and, and Calloway quotes popes, and Pope Francis is quoting popes going back to 1870, but the really the highest authority in, in my point of view would be if we quote the Blessed Mother herself. And in the uh, finding of the child Jesus in the temple, the fifth joyful mystery, she says, your father and I have been looking for you. Clar- clarify so, clarify so, for uh, the listeners so that they don't, they're not confused about the, uh, the virgin birth. And, and the role of the right. Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, oh, so. oh, but he's not the biological father. Good, good, yeah, good. yeah that, that <laughs> does need to be clarified, absolutely, and it it has been clarified by St. John Paul II in 1989. He goes into detail explaining that Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus, that Joseph and Mary never had physical marital relations, but Joseph is truly Jesus' father, and he quotes, I think, St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas to give that more authority that G- Joseph really is 
Jesus' father. All right. And St. Luke also says that. He says, uh, after the presentation in the temple, St. Luke says, the child's father and mother were amazed. All right, let, let's, uh, I, probably a lot of people listening, including myself, have not read this letter from Pope Francis. I don't know if you guys have read it. Dr. Malloy, did you get a chance to read it yet? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, you know, this is one, one of the more digestible ones. I know, Alex, you've read it, but, uh, yeah, and, and Mark, you did read the whole thing, yes. right? So let's talk about this. The timing, of course, as most things in the church, was not coincidental. It was uh, 150 years after uh, St. Joseph was proclaimed the patron of the Universal Church, right, 150 years. It also came out on the feast, uh, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. And so I, I love that about the church. You know, not, the things are not just kind of random. Ah, let's put it out next Wednesday. It's always timed. And you have an interesting story about Father Calloway and his, uh, I guess, role in this uh, proclamation by the Pope. Do you want to tell our listeners about that, Mark? Uh, yes, that was May 1st of uh, 2019. So it was the Feast of St. Joseph, the worker. Father Calloway uh, wrote a letter, and it was delivered to the Pope. It was dated May 1st, 2019, uh, requesting that the Pope declare a year of St. Joseph. So, uh, and then he came out with this book documenting the whole history of not only the papal Teachings, the magisterial teachings about St. Joseph, which have been quite abundant in the last 150 years, but also saints, saints throughout the history of the church. Did Isidore, I read something in the National Catholic Register about a Dominican in the 16th century, Isidore um, Isolinas, who prophesied that the victory will, the, the turning point of the victory like we'll, we'll meet towards victory, whatever this means, when St. Joseph is recognized. Did, did, oh, is that have right? Have you ever heard that? I haven't heard that one specifically, but I've heard things similar to that. And um, I, the one that uh, most people are, a lot of people are familiar with is um, in the 20th century, um, the message of Fatima, it really, I mean, we talk about December 8th and the Immaculate Conception, but it's the message of Fatima is central to all of this. And she appeared in Fatima May through October and promised a miracle of the sun in October. And when the appearance in October began with Joseph yeah. holding yeah. the baby Jesus and mm. together Joseph and Jesus Bless the world. And so Joseph is included in the message of Fatima. But then we have the testimony in the letter written by Sister Lucia that is in the Vatican where she said that it was revealed to her by the angel of Fatima that the final battle will be over marriage and family. Yeah. And mm. that's what this is all about. Mm. That if there's one thing we take away from this half hour. It's about marriage and family. And mm -hmm. marriage and family is under attack. We are at war. This is the battle over marriage and family. And Joseph is included in the message of Fatima. And that's why Francis's letter uh, is so important and so providential on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception that it 
shows us the importance of marriage and family. Mm, very. Uh, the the letter is called Patris Corde uh, on the 150th anniversary of the proclamation of Saint Joseph as patron of the Universal Church, and uh, that means Father's Heart, right? Uh, which is interesting. I just want to read well, one line from it and then get your comments. Uh, Pope Francis says, Each of us can discover in Joseph the man who goes unnoticed, a daily discreet and hidden presence, an intercessor, a support and a guide in times of trouble, he wrote. I've often, you know, thought, you know, St. Joseph appears very briefly in Scripture. Uh, he doesn't say a word. And this, you know, quite a, a cult and quite a, a, a lot of... Uh, um, you know, uh, following and of course devotion to him, but we know very little about him. And again, I'm not trying to diminish his role at all. Of course, Mark, you're, you've got great devotion to him, but I'm thinking, wow, we don't know much about him. So how does the whole devotion and cult and information about him come about when we are given so little to work with? Right? Does that make sense? And he is quiet. He is he is behind the scenes. Well, actually, it's not that complicated because. What Pope Francis repeats is the statement of uh, John Paul II in Redemptoris Custos that basically says, and I'll put it in my own words, but I'm paraphrasing John Paul II, Joseph is included in the incarnation. See, if we want to understand the incarnation, that the second person of the divine trinity assumed human nature, he assumed human nature in a in marriage and family with a human mother and a human father who was not his biological father but nevertheless his father his human father yeah. and so it's about marriage and family and joseph is included in the incarnation he's included in the message of fatima and one of the first things that pope francis did and this is again like divine providence, when Pope Francis, he chose the date for his installation as Bishop of Rome was March 19th. Hmm. No coincidence. Yeah. March 19th. And then the next day or within a few days, he uh, uh, ex- legislated or gave the uh, proclamation, or proclamation the, yeah. that Joseph's name will be included in all of the canons. Right. That was one of the first things he did. And so his re- publishing this letter on December 8th, I think, is, is really uh, divine providence working, uh, using Pope Francis that he's saying we, we need to go to Joseph. Yeah. And let me let me get out the phone. I'm sorry, Chris, uh, Dr. Yeah. Malloy. Um, let me get out the phone number in case anybody wants to jump in. Yeah, yeah. If you got a comment, maybe there's a special way that you show devotion in your family. I know there's the St. Joseph table that uh, has been very common with That's Italians, awesome. especially. Uh, 877-757-9424. Our guest, Mark Drogan, in studio with us. Uh, obviously, a great devotion to uh, St. Joseph. And when I heard about this proclamation, I was like, i got to call Mark. Uh, 877-757-9424. Dr. Malloy. So, and uh, Mark, you have a great sense of the Bible, the biblical roots of things. Could you tell us what we can, the silence of Joseph, but there's stuff there. Can you extract some stuff yes. from us? Yes, absolutely. The, the silence of St. Joseph is actually kind of misleading um, because, and, and also, um, the Bible, this is a discussion that comes up frequently, Um the Bible comes out of the liturgy. 
And the church canonized the Bible in the fourth century from the liturgy. And in the liturgy we have, and this is in Calloway's book where saints have said this, it's the devotion of the faithful through that, the history of the church. Every Mass in the, the Tridentine and the Novus Ordo, every Mass before we receive communion, we say, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only say the word and I, my soul shall be healed. And the saints in devotion attribute this to St. Joseph. Hmm. St. Joseph is saying this, and in our personal devotion, when we prepare to receive communion during the Mass, we can do this spiritually, we can say that with St. Joseph, which is basically a tra- an interpretation of what St. Joseph sa- uh, Matthew says about St. Joseph when he found out that his wife was pregnant. He says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Hmm. Yeah, amazing. So it's not, now the, the <laughs> Protestant has the common, uh, maybe not just Protestants, but I don't think the Orthodox and, and, and like Catholics in their roots, they don't think of this Joseph divorcing Mary as worried about infidelity. He knew, obviously, that she's not unfaithful, right? Yes, and that's the dogmatic, the definition of the Immaculate Conception is that this is what the faithful have always believed, yeah. and it would be silly to say, well, Joseph didn't believe it. Yeah, that's a good Because yeah. that's the dogmatic definition. The faithful have always believed <laughs> yeah. that she was he immaculate. Would, he would be considered among the faithful, right? Exactly. Uh, some other titles. <laughs> a little uh, loose. Yeah, no, yeah that's some, awesome. Some, I love some it. other titles. I mentioned patron of the Catholic Church. Terror uh, of demons. That's my That's yeah. it, yeah. Pair of demons. Yes. Uh, Pair of demons. Pius XII said, patron of workers. Saint John Paul uh, II, guardian of the Redeemer. I like that one. Patron of a happy death as well. That's so a good one. this is like, like Our Lady. Lots of names. Not quite as many names as Our Lady, but uh, I also want to just kind of bring up because I know this is something important to you, Mark. Is that uh, this is an this is a whole year long celebration proclamation. We're going to have a lot of feasts and seasons during this liturgical year. Uh, and you, you mentioned that in a text to me. Let's talk about that, how we get the most out of Advent and Christmas and Lent and all the feast days. You want to mention that? Uh, yes. Again, the, the Bible comes out of the liturgy, so let's look at the liturgy. Let's look at where Joseph is, Joseph and Mary, marriage and family are in the liturgy, but also Joseph is Jewish. He's the son of David. The first time that He's uh, in the New Testament where the term son of David is used is, hmm. is when the angel addresses Joseph in the first chapter of the New Testament. He's the son of David, and the Psalms are the Psalms of David. And so this would be the one of the primary things that he teaches to his son Jesus is the Psalms. And so, again, this silence of St. Joseph speaks so loudly that every psalm is... Joseph speaking to us, and Jesus mm-hmm. quotes the psalm when he's on the cross. And so through the year, we can look at these psalms and we can hear Joseph, the righteous man who follows the law of the Lord. Yeah. Hmm. Let's uh, go back to Terror of Demons. I'm, I'm, I got that. Uh, Alex, you, you kind of uh, lighted up when, I, when Terror of Demons was mentioned. What exactly does that name mean, especially in light of what we're going through in 2020? And uh, do you, do you, uh, is that something that. Well, it, it's funny. In, in the Mission 180 video series, we have an episode <laughs> on, uh, we have two episodes on St. Joseph. One of them is St. Joseph Terror of Demons yeah. and how it's just a very not well known um, 
uh, image of St. Joseph, but in Italy, there's churches named um, there's there's churches and there's a lot of it's a big devotion in Italy. Let's say yeah. I think about Saint, Saint Therese of Lisieux who said that she came, had that little encounter with uh, a little demon or something that ran exactly. away. Exactly. Yeah. And she's like, wow, they run away from a little girl. Yeah. Uh, Saint Joseph uh, is although we think of them and the whole thing about was he old or young? That's a whole other debate uh, that mm. uh, people talk about. But uh, he he's uh, even though he's humble and he's sacrificial and he's quiet, uh, he is a Intimidating it to to the demon in a in a good way, right, Mark? In what way? What does terror of demons mean? That that particular title? Do, do you any any uh, Doctor Malloy? Any? any I'll insight? say this too, and, and it's more and it's we pulled it out. Uh, the story we gave was about the Virgin Mary. There's a, a Marian icon called uh, Madonna de la Bastonata, which is it's these images of Mary holding a club with with Jesus, baby Jesus, oh, and baby that. John the Baptist. Beating yeah. the heretics. And there's be, beating demons, demons away from them. Even like, and it's like like a mo- like literally like a mom with like a broom just being like, <laughs> get away! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and great. so we tied it to St. Joseph would have been even more protective being the dad. Yeah. And so that's the video that we did on it. And it's just this title that just hasn't been used very often, but he's the man of the house. He's got to protect his house. Yeah. You think they go to Egypt, you know, he's carrying a staff and he's whacking wolves on the yeah. way to Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> it it would have been a treacherous, a treacherous yeah. trip, wouldn't it? The other uh, yeah. thing that just came to mind to me is, so Mary, when we praise Mary rightly, obviously we don't worship her, but when you praise her rightly, we glorify Christ all the more. So Mark, you're, you've been talking to me about, you know, if we get Joseph right, even we get Mary more right, and we get Jesus even more right. Wow. Yeah. Right. Got about 45 it's seconds. Like, so it's, all, it's all about marriage and family. And the uh, traditional devotion to uh, true devotion, we talk about true devotion, is Jesus comes to us through Mary, and we go to Jesus through Mary. The first person who ever went to Jesus through Mary is Joseph. Yeah. And so we, all that's, all Callaway's saying, and, and all of us are saying, the Holy Spirit is telling us that we go to Jesus through Mary with Joseph. Joseph mm. is the first one to live true devotion to Mary. Mm. And the terror of demons is Joseph and Mary together as one. They are no longer two but one. And when a husband and wife are truly one, then they become a terror of demons. Sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that could be a whole other conversation. Yes. That's, awesome. that's awesome. Okay. Hey, Mark, thanks so much. Great information. Appreciate you coming in. Hang around. Uh, you, you can hang around for the after show. And do we yeah. can talk a little bit more about this? Okay. So Mark Drogan uh, has a little bit of a devotion to St. Joseph, would you say? Uh, appreciate that information. And I'm going to give away another one of the books during the break. We're going to come back and talk to Ingrid Meyer about Our Lady Guadalupe. Isn't that cool? We're talking about Joseph, and then we're talking about Mary. And uh, it all, as Dr. Malloy mentioned, it's, awesome. it's all really centered on Jesus Christ, right? And so, if you want a, a copy of this Consecration of St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father by Father Donald Calloway, it's all about Saint Consecration to St. Joseph. Uh, be the first caller right now. Do it quickly. 877 757 Alex, you're not allowed to call, man. Uh, I want the book. <laughs> I don't have the book. I want the book. 877-757-9424. Perfect. Right. Yes, I got the inside track. Uh, We're good. We'll talk about our Lady yes. Guadalupe after this. <laughs> Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water. 
Now picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift. You can spark that magical moment by sending them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. When doing your Christmas shopping this year, consider using smile.amazon.com and be sure to click La Promesa Foundation. Not only are you giving a gift to a friend or loved one or even yourself, no judging, but you're also supporting the soul-saving programming of the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's literally the gift that keeps on giving. So put Christ in Christmas this year and in someone's life by going to smile.amazon.com and be sure to click La Promesa Foundation. It's a soul-saving click away. Hi, this is Len Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network, with some very exciting news. The GRN now has a Monday through Friday morning drive time show called Catholic Drive Time. Catholic Drive Time is a nationally syndicated radio show getting you started on your day with the latest and breaking news and information. This live show features interesting and informative guests from around the world to cover the latest from the Vatican to the White House and all points in between. This show will provide a Catholic take on breaking news, national and international stories, fun Catholic trivia with prizes, plus tips on living the faith, and so much more. You can listen to Catholic Drive Time Live Monday to Friday from 6 to 8 a.m. Central Time across the GRN and beyond. This show is live streamed on all our social media sites, GRN's mobile app, podcasts, and more. This has been your GRN Family Minute. We are your Catholic radio, radio for your soul. All right, we are back, and this is the penultimate GRN Alive, uh, second to last. And like I said, that's kind of an inside joke with uh, Toya Hall and me during charathons. Uh, it all it all came about because I mentioned that word one time, and there was an English teacher who called in and made a donation and said, because that guy in the radio said penultimate, I'm making a donation. That's where, nice. that's where it all came from. And it all comes from a Far Side cartoon, but uh, we don't have time for that. I wanted to talk oh. about the anti-penultimate. Anti, uh, anti-penultimate. Is that before well, the, the third? Comes in the Greek when you do the Greek, the third to the last. Oh, syllable. yeah, but that, that was three weeks ago, so you missed that. Uh, I know, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I wasn't we, there either. Having yeah. returned from our anti-penultimate show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, congratulations to Mary in Dallas. She won the first copy of Consecration to St. Joseph, and I think... Alex uh, won the second. That's right. I think, it's yeah, over. So, so, no more calls. Some guy named Alex, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, won the second one. No, no, I think Brian cap. is the winner. I believe Brian. All right. So, yeah, some guy in a baseball cap. All right, we are going to close out the show talking about uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. This all fits together so well because you think about it. Uh, you only got two shows left, uh, the, the penultimate one. We talk about uh, uh, the, the, the mother and the, the father, stepfather, uh, foster father, however you want to define Joseph uh, in this last show. So uh, it, it all works out so well. We uh, appreciate everybody who called in. Obviously, we only have a few of these books to give away. I think Brian's the winner. Cecil uh, will confirm that in a moment. So congratulations. We'll get these books mailed out to you. A couple more given away in the afternoon show. Uh, Diane, I think, has all of our platforms up now. Uh, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, if you want to go with the, the, the password or tagline. What is it called? Uh, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, GRN, the Twitter handle, the Facebook handle. profile. I don't know. Hashtag. All right. Uh, there you Ingrid go. Meyer is uh, director of Project Gabriel for the Catholic Pro Life community in the Diocese of Dallas, and she also has a great devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of uh, this radio network. And I saw a presentation. I brought my daughter to a presentation with Ingrid a couple years ago uh, that really uh, in, lit up in me in an additional interest in just the amazing story of Our Lady Guadalupe, and she joins us now to talk about this feast day tomorrow that we celebrate in Our Lady Guadalupe. Ingrid, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Jake. Thank you. Yes. I'm well. How are everybody over there? We're doing well. <laughs> Great. We're, we're, we're fired up. We're excited. Uh, <laughs> I, I can hear that. <laughs> it's only going to get excited better, too. Excited to join in. Yeah. So thanks so much. Uh, I always, you know, like I asked Mark in the last segment, I'm always curious when somebody... Uh, you know, I've got a devotion to Our Lady Guadalupe, but I'm not out giving talks about her and studying her. And you, you really are, are, I guess for lack of a better expression, you're into Our Lady Guadalupe in a big way. What, where did that come from, what, the devotion? Why is she so important to you, the, uh, Our Lady Guadalupe? Well, you know, I lived many years in Mexico City. My mom is from Mexico. So obviously, Our Lady of Guadalupe is a big part of our lives. But when I moved to Dallas, my children were going to school. They were at St. Thomas, and I was asked once to talk about the Day of the Dead as a Mexican culture. And I'm like, well, you know, this is a Catholic school. Why don't we talk better about Our Lady of Guadalupe? And that's where my interest started. And I started researching and investigating and reading, and I just fell in love with everything I found out and discovered. So every year I learned something new, and now I try to bring her to others. So, by giving these talks. Yeah, and you do a great job with it. Let's talk, uh, you know, I know that Our Lady is very pertinent and relevant to 2020, perhaps more so because of how crazy 2020 has been, but let's go back to 16th century, 1531, a lot going on in present-day Mexico. Uh, what was going on? Why was that timing significant? Uh, I always find it interesting in light of what's going on, you know, across the Atlantic with the Protestant Reformation and uh, a lot of things going on. The Battle of Lepanto. Yeah, yeah, right. Later. Exactly. And that would have been 15... 15- yeah. That was like three decades later, but didn't... Don, didn't so powerful. Um, yeah, didn't, didn't her image make it to, like a, a, an imitation, a copy of her image make it to the battle? I don't know. Do you know yes, about that? Yeah, and okay. that's what they... That's what they attribute the them being able to win that battle. Oh wow! Through Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. So talk so about she that. Was I'm sorry. From a historical standpoint, uh, yeah, that that all ties together. But what else was going on? Uh, you know, Our Lady could have come at any time. She could have come in the 17th century. But why then? Well, remember, she um, Hernan Cortes arrived in 1519, right? And that was where the conquest started. So it was first of all, it was a shock of cultures. You imagine the culture of life, you know, them bringing Jesus to the natives and shocking and encountering a culture of death because they would perform all these sacrifices to please their gods so their gods would be happy and there would be harmony in the universe. They felt that responsibility. So, um, so when Our Lady arrives, when she appears, it's during a time where the friars have been there, the Franciscan friars, they continue to try to evangelize. And they are, but it's at a very slow pace. Because imagine if somebody comes and tells you everything you believe in, that God, 
that you say the sun you think is a god, he's not. And those stars and that moon and that ray, none of them are gods. And your whole life has always depended on that. They were so superstitious that they would always be doing sacrifices and they would always, um, I'm sorry, they would always be performing sacrifices and they were very superstitious thinking if anything happened, like a natural disaster, that meant the world was going to come. Or maybe the day would not come, the sun would not come up, it would not rise the next day because it was in a battle with the moon. So that's why they were always, um, everything they did was around their God. Mm -hmm. So somebody comes and tells them, look at this cross. This is the true, only God. Although, forget. It was very difficult for them. So it was a very difficult time. Plus, I can imagine the way the Spaniards saw the natives, they were like, maybe they saw them like savages, you know, taking out this heart, this beating heart and offering up to a God. So it was a very difficult time for both sides. And um, Bishop Fray Juan de Sumarraga, who was the bishop at the time, he had sent, he had written letters back to Spain saying, this is a really bad time. We need a miracle to happen to be able to bring these cultures together. And that is when Our Lady appeared. And after she appeared, did you know that there were over 9 million people who converted in the next 10 years? That's amazing. Yeah, that's a lot of people. They could read her. Yeah, that's amazing. What did she have? that all the friars couldn't. Mm-hmm. Well, besides being our beautiful mother, it was all the symbols on her dress, on her image, that they understood clearly. And once they saw it, it was like, okay, I'm ready to be baptized. Yeah. So talk, talk about uh, St. Juan Diego. Why him? Uh, what was his significance? Of course, uh, God in his providence chooses him to receive the message specifically. He ran away from her. He didn't want, didn't want to hear it at first. He tried a different route. Uh, eventually, he was, you know, he was the, the messenger to go back to the bishop and build the shrine and all that. So well, what was significant about St. Juan Diego? Yes, so he was the messenger. He was given the beautiful roses, right, that he picked on the top of the hill. And he gave them, and he could only unfold his tilma in front of the bishop. And um, Juan Diego was around 57 years old. He was a convert, and his name, his original name in Nahuatl was Catlatuaxi, okay? And Juan Diego was his Christian name. Well, if we go to the image, if we go all the way to the bottom, we see a beautiful angel. And the angel is holding on on one side to the dress, and on the on his right hand, he's holding on to uh, Our Lady's mantle. So the mantle, that color, signifies heaven. And the dress, the color of the dress, signifies earth. So that angel is bringing heaven and earth together. Mm. And that angel has wings of an eagle, not of a dove, which we normally see. And uh, the face of the angel is that it's the face of an older person. Usually angels are like little children, right? The faces. Well, this one is of an older person. It has the studio hairlines, right? And um, so he's a messenger. And Juan Diego, a messenger of Our Lady, to the bishop, telling them, this is where Our Lady wants a church to be built for her son. Well, the Christian name uh, is Juan Diego, but the Nahuatl name, Cuadlatuaxi, has a meaning. And that meaning is 
angel, I mean, eagle that speaks. Hmm. So people think that the angel on the bottom is the messenger is actually representing Juan Diego. So Juan Diego was very important, and he was just somebody who would walk every day. He would go to church, and he had to walk over five hours just to get to church. Can you imagine? Wow. So he had a great devotion. Yeah. Ingrid, let me get out the phone number. If anybody's listening and has a question for Ingrid Meyer, she is, uh, her full-time job is project of uh, uh, G- G- uh, um, Gabriel... Project Gabriel, <laughs> easy for me to say, at the, the Catholic Pro-Life Community in Dallas. Uh, phone number here, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. And we're talking about Our Lady Guadalupe, whose feast day we celebrate tomorrow, and also Juan Diego, the Tilma, the Pro-Life Movement, all, all these connections, the family. And uh, so give us a call if you have any questions. What, what What's an exciting thing? I know some listeners are familiar with some cool things about the Tilma that modern science has revealed, but what's like, what's the latest exciting finding in modern science on the Tilma? I think that uh, it would be the music notes, the musical notes that they discovered. They what? Saw, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. There was uh, this mathematician, Fernando Ojeda Yanez, and uh, he's been maybe over 23 years investigating and researching the image. And he discovered, first he discovered there's nine different flowers throughout her dress. And he noticed that there was a distance, the distance between each flower was the same proportion that there was the distance between the different volcanoes or hills in Mexico, in the Valley of Mexico. So what he did is he turned around the image and put the image horizontally on top of the center of the country, right? So her face was um, facing the Gulf of Mexico. And he put it right on top, and he discovered that those flowers would perfectly fit right above those different um, hills and volcanoes. And then, since he's a mathematician, and he also did orography, he said, well, you know what? where there's geometry, because there's geometry, the perfect rectangle of the image. And then he said, and there is um, geography, and there is math. He said, there has to be music. So he started studying more, and he discovered that the flowers and the stars, the positions created musical notes. And then they had um, different musicians come up to ask if they could make a musical arrangement, and there's one that is so beautiful. I don't know if you have it, Dave. We played it um, last year. I was with you. Yeah. But the music is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Can we find it on the on the web? Yeah. I don't know. Sissel, Sissel's the one. She can try to find it. Maybe she can pull that up. Do you have enough information, to, uh, musical notes from the Tilma, and maybe we can find it. Uh, yeah, that's a cool thing about live radio. We can do crazy, some fun stuff wow. like this. Ingrid, and the other thing that also amazes me about this is the intricacy 
of the tilma. There's a lot of stuff that God knew that in, in 16th century uh, Mexico, they weren't going to be able to figure out. It was going to take the, you know, like the, the, all the, the, you have to zoom in on the eyes and see reflections of people, and nobody in 16th century is going to be able to work this out. So it's almost like God in his divine providence, Ingrid, figured that this message was going to continue to unveil, and people are going to learn more and more about uh, the importance of Our Lady Guadalupe as technology caught up. Uh, would you say that's true, and, and and why so? Definitely. I mean, like I mentioned before, those nine million converted because what they saw on her image, they understood that she brought the only true God. And that is what was so needed at the time. But now, with all the technology, we are discovering more and more in her tilma. So why are we doing it? Because this information is for us. We need it now. There's this beautiful... Um, image in her eyes. So there was um, this Dr. Tunsman, Astrid Tunsman, and he brought the latest technology, this was in the late 70s, the latest technology on um, that NASA was the one using to, um, to see the satellites, right, the images that were coming back from the satellites. So he used it on the tilma, and he discovered in the eyes, because in 1929, I think, 1921 first, I'm sorry, 1921, there was the photographer of the Basilica was taking pictures, and he took a picture of the eyes. And when he discovered, and when he was with the negatives, he discovered there was a white bearded image of a man in the image. And he said, what's going on? So he went, he went to, the, to the Basilica, to the of people who were there, and he told them, and he said, hey, this is what I found. We, maybe we should investigate more. But 1921 was pre-Cristeros, right? The mm-hmm. Cristiada, the Cristero War, which was from 1926 to 1929. So they say, let's put it away, let's wait. But then back in 1951, they started doing all these studies until Dr. Tunsman came, and he discovered that not only was there an image, but they were up to 13 different images in the eye, in both eyes. And there's a scene. It's like there's a scene captured, and there's two scenes within the eye. The first scene is when Juan Diego is unfolding his tilma, and you can see the bishop there, and then next to the bishop is his interpreter, and then we, we can see also a, lay, a woman next to him. And there's up to six different figures, right, images. And then there's another scene which is smaller, and that's right in the middle of the eye. And those, that is a family of seven. Mm. You see the woman carrying her baby on her back with a rebozo, what they call, right? And then she's... And then her husband next to her carrying two, a little boy and a little girl. And then next to them standing an older couple, which they think is the, the grandparents, right? The yeah. grand. So why is this right in the center? For me, Dave, it's like she's talking to us right now. This is what you need to focus on. What is happening to our families? What is happening to those beautiful babies that are being just like those babies that were sacrificed. Because do you, do you know that the hill where Our Lady appeared, which is 
Sepeyak, was also the place where they would worship their goddess, Tonatzinquitlique. And what they would offer to that goddess was babies, the sacrifice of babies and fetuses. So does that remind you of anything that's happening today? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, of course. Yeah. Ingrid, that's so, so interesting, and it ties in so well also to what Mark Drogan said in our first segment on St. Joseph. Yeah, I mean, how many times did Mark say, it's about the family, it's about the family? And so it's like uh, uh, our, 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 our blessed Lord through Holy Mother Church is saying, let's focus on the family, okay? Fatima, St. Joseph. I mean, the message couldn't be any more clear. And Ingrid, I really appreciate you, you, you bringing that out. I want to make sure we play Sissel found some of this uh, song and uh, just it's about a minute and a half but we play about 30 seconds of it and here's what ingrid was saying that in the tome itself there is uh, musical notes that uh, that have been discovered and here's what it sounds like So there you go. It's That's it's almost nice. like if, if God could compose music, you know, uh, we got Mozart and Beethoven and Bach. So is that the one that, uh, does that sound familiar, Ingrid? Is that the right one? Those are the musical notes that they discovered. Yeah. And then based out of those musical notes, they made a musical arrangement. Wow. And it was, um, it was a musician who did it for a mission called For the Love of God. And, but there's others that, I mean, they played it even in the, in Vienna, in the Philharmonica in Vienna. Wow. Yeah. You know, I was in Vienna last year in uh, St. Stephen's Basilica, I think it's called. And they, they said, oh, this is where Mozart got married. And it was the, the big basilica in Vienna, probably that same, uh, that same church that you're talking about. All right, uh, Ingrid, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, uh, tomorrow, of course, is a feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. We're just about running out of time. Uh, any advice on how people, obviously, uh, the, the, the celebration of Mass is the most important thing we can do. Uh, anything else that you recommend? Real quickly, you got about 30 seconds uh, to make tomorrow I a special day. Just let's become Juan Diego's of our time and go and evangelize and focus on the family and on life. Amen. All right, Ingrid Meyer, th- thanks so much. Thanks for what you do. Uh, you've been a great blessing to so many people and uh, teaching a greater devotion to Our Lady Guadalupe. So we appreciate you being on well, with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much. All right, boy, and the music starts. Boy, that was perfectly timed. Yeah. Yep. We're going to do some uh, additional after show. I think Mark Drogan's still hanging out with us. We'll talk about St. Joseph. ultimate and, show next week. Yeah, <laughs> not the penultimate. And uh, next wow. week, we're all going to talk about our sparks. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Malloy's book and uh, Mission 180, my, uh, the show that Sissel and I are doing, and also outreach to young people. So it's going to be a fun show. Thanks for joining us. And in the after show, we'll give away two more books of the Consecration of St. Joseph. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord.
Blessed be God. Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.